Hello everyone and welcome to the final episode of series one of the Thirst Fall podcast with me, Rory. Um, I started strong, continued strong, so we had to finish strong. And today I am joined by Emma Stokes, who you may know better as Gin Monkey. Wow, what a way to finish the series. Um, thank you so much, everybody. It's been a real... Um, well, it's just been brilliant. Thank you so much for your lovely comments and words. Uh, we're, we will be back for series two. I've already started recording. So hopefully all being well, that will drop in January 2021. But uh, for the time being, let's start episode 10, the season finale. Uh, and what a way to finish with the lovely, incredible Emma Stokes, Gin Monkey. Let's go. Emma, welcome to the Thirst of All podcast. How are you doing, my love? I'm really well. How are you? I am brilliant. I'm even better now that I know that I've nailed you down for <laughs> this episode at last. You're one of the kind of when I made the list of the sort of five or six people that I wanted to get on. Um, you were well and truly up there. So before we go any further, though, we're having a little drink and it amazes me. So I've done pretty much, I've done about 10 or 11 of these episodes and this has not come up as the now drink, which blows my mind. Talk to me. What are we drinking together right now? We're drinking a bloody gin and tonic. Of course we fucking are. What, what, right? what else would we be drinking? I mean, I mean, how is it? How have I got through so many episodes and I haven't had the gin and tonic as the now drink? We're having a chat. I've just finished work. What better than a gin and tonic? Start the evening. Absolutely. And I noticed, again for the listener, because you can't see video, we share a relatively similar glass in the, in, in the highball. Yes. Do you find that's important for the gin and tonic? Um, I think so. Um, it preserves the bubbles better, stops my nose getting cold, all the, uh, the ice in a copper glass ends up far too close to my nose. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. It means you can't overly dilute it as well. So half of the problem is if you've got a big copper glass, you, you could end up putting far too much tonic in. That's going to drown your gin. And that's never a happy situation. No, it's not. And I, I, far too many a bad gin and tonic I've had out of a overly sized glass with too little ice. But um, so let's break the gin and tonic down because I think it's important that something that's often regarded as so simple is actually it needs to be right so we've had a conversation before this podcast about the gin that we're using um, yes. so let's break down the gin and tonic because it's it's ultimately i see a gin and tonic as like your gin your tonic your icy glass and then a garnish is kind of optional so let's let's break it down bit by bit yeah so gin we've got never never's triple juniper which oh, is oh. a Top five gins of all time, although I am slightly cheating because I've got a slightly different version to you that we picked up at Duty Free, so it's uh, it's slightly higher ABV than the you one You swine. That's so cheeky. I went to the shelf and I didn't realise we'd run out of the normal one. Um, yeah, my other half is Australian, so when we went over for Christmas last year, um, we're walking through the airport and I stopped in my tracks because the normal bottle is like just a li little wee... 500 mil and lo and behold there was a whole litre oh what i'm outraged 
47% not 43% but yeah banger of a gin makes one of my favorite ever gin and tonics yeah. uh, crisp, boozy um, really bright I think as well good dose of juniper um, of course you expect nothing less from the never never guys when <laughs> juniper yes. um, they're just such good gins they are I, juniper I is my favorite cannot agree more they are fantastic so obviously we've got ice we've got a bit of lemon in there yeah, uh, don't like we've it's got a, we've got a decent tonic, and and what more needs to be said about such a classic, such a classic gin and tonic because you do need it. It's isn't it a strange one? As I say, it's something that can is so simple that but be done so badly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, I, mean, it, I mean, I I guess the main thing is is that ice for me determines a good or a bad gin and tonic, even if the it's a bit pokey as long as you've got plenty of ice it's nice and cold and you haven't put too much of the tonic in then it's not god awful terrible if you know you've got a decent tonic but you've barely put any ice in it's watered down immediately then yeah it's not it's not the one we've got I, i'm delighted that we've finally got a gnt for the now drink because <laughs> i can't believe i've gone this long and i've not even had a gin tonic to sit on so well, I figured we were going to, you know, chat for a while as well. So you need something to, you know, lubricate your vocal cords. Oh, lube, there's a quote. Lubricate the vocal That could be the quote of the podcast, <laughs> lubricate the vocal cords. <laughs> so um, before we get on to the rest of the round of drinks, I want to know, um, like, gin, when I started out, Gin Monkey was kind of like the, it was the account. It was the Twitter, Instagram, we had World Gin Day, which has just gone from, God, just gone from strength to strength. But yeah. I'd be interested to know how it all came about, you know, kind of quickly. How did you kind of, how, how, how did you do it? <laughs> I think I was in the right place at the right time. So yeah. we're talking 2009. Um, I have a background in science, so um, during my degree and my master's, I've always worked in bars. Um, during my master's, I was in London. I got the opportunity to go to Geneva to do some work experience. Um, and while I was over there, they offered me a job, but Geneva is quite sleepy. It was getting towards winter. I'm not that much of a skier. I'm quite clumsy. Um, and I figured I don't really want to be stuck in the middle of nowhere with nothing else to do other than go out in the snow all day, which is nice for one day, just maybe not <laughs> four or five months. Um, so I came back to London and finally I had a job with a decent enough salary. So I started exploring bars and cocktail bars because I'd worked in cocktail bars up in Newcastle. Uh, but I struggled to find on any of the big websites like Time Out or anything like that, decent cocktail bars. Um, I was finding, you know, this is the best bar in London. Does it do cocktails? Who knows? Read halfway through the article. Yes, it does. You go. The bar's fun, but it's garbage. The cocktails are really bad. Um, turned out that actually the best bars in Time Out at that point were paid for, which then started to make a lot of sense. Um, Google wasn't great. There weren't many websites. So I stumbled across a bar called Lab. So London Academy of Bartenders on Old Compton Street, just on a night out, walked in, had an absolutely banging cocktail. And I said, right, you guys know what you're doing. Where am I going next? They sent me to Clue Calais in Shoreditch. Wow. They Casita, which was, you know, ended up being the place that I worked behind the bar for two years on the side of my day job. I loved it that much. 
and I started building up this network of bars. So I actually set up Gym Monkey to be an independent bar review website. So the whole idea behind Gym Monkey was I'd go to bars, review them on the basis of their cocktails without telling anyone I was going, without getting freebies, uh, genuine opinion, no one could pay to be promoted. Um, yeah. But then all of, actually it was Olivier gave me one of my first invites when he was working for Hendrix to a Hendrix yeah. because I was called Gin Monkey and talking about cocktails and stuff. I said, oh, I don't really write just about gin. He was like, oh, come along anyway. And then that snowballed. All anyone wanted to talk to me was gin or yeah. ask was gin. Um, the review thing was taking a lot of time and money because I'm stubborn. So I was going three times to the bar before I reviewed it, different times, different times of the week, all out of my own pocket. So that's what a good hundred quid per review. Um, and then bar check set up as well. So they were actually getting through bars quicker than I ever could. They had a team, they had budget. So yeah. pivoted to gin. That seemed to be what everyone wanted me to talk about. Um, always loved gin. I called it gin monkey because I love gin and I've got long flay the arms like a monkey and I'm very clumsy as I say but I didn't want to stay in Geneva and kill myself skiing so yeah uh, in a brilliant. nutshell I think that's yeah that is yeah in a nutshell that is and <laughs> I think it would be bad of me not to mention what is kind of now known as one of the greatest days of the year other than Christmas day in that well <laughs> of course you created World Gin Day. Well, kind of. So Neil Houston, a guy that lives in uh, Birmingham, good friend of mine, um, he was running a website, Yet Another Gin. So we yeah. met and bonded over that. Um, and he technically created World Gin Day, just declared it one day. It's World Gin Day in his garden with his mates, registered the domain because he was a, he knew all the technical side of websites. Um, so that was um, 2009. That started and then I I helped him run it. It started to get a little bit bigger. We invited people to do little classes for us, but it was all of us, just all, all our mates in a bar in Soho called Graphic that was renowned for being a gym yeah. bar. I think year two was just maybe 20 of us there, second ever world gym day. <laughs> um, I took, and then, you know, I started organizing things, but I'd have to run everything past him. And I think it was sometime in 2012, I said, look, Neil, I think this has got potential would you consider kind of letting me take over the reins and I'll chuck you some money um, for everything you've done so far. And um, obviously, cause I'm gonna try and make it a thing. So yeah, 2013 was my first year. Um, but yeah, thinking back to 2010, that there was what, 20, 30 of us in a bar drinking gin. Isn't like, that mental <laughs> that you think back to, to then and there's a few people in a bar and you're talking about World Gin Day and then it gets to the point where you know, even over the last, it must be sort of three, four, five years when you get to see, like, I remember when I, one of the first times I met you, I must have been at Junipalooza because obviously it's the, at, at around the same time as World Gin Day. And you yeah, it's usually held on World Gin Day. Yeah. So, and you were like, I was like, oh God, like, how's World Gin Day been? You were like, well, Snoop Dogg tweeted it today. So that's... <laughs> That was like one of the first times I met you, and I was like, "Yeah, oh, that's pretty, pretty cool." Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's um. So um, 2018 we had probably the biggest year, and we had 200 million timeline deliveries for tweets that had hashtag World Gym Day. Insane! That is insane. Um, and yeah, I, I'm glad we we we've been able to speak about it because. 
there's a there's I know there's there's like inter, there's like two international gin and tonic days. There's Negroni week. There's there's all these different things. But World Gin Day for me, that's the one where it just everyone can come together. And you did such a fantastic video this year. I absolutely <laughs> loved the round of the world you know, passing each other a gin online. And it was just, it was what we needed at that time because obviously in June, we were in, most of us were in a pretty uh, pretty dire situation with the, with yeah. the current pandemic. And uh, to wake up and see a video of some <laughs> of my favorite people around the world passing each other a gin was just so awesome. I absolutely it was the most fun to get to put together. It was a logistical nightmare, and it was because if everybody passed it in different directions, depending on what person was. So if anybody in the chain, um, you know, get things in on time, um, or didn't send it all, then we were going to be really stuck. But everyone, you know, embraced it, and I think that's the thing about World Gin Day. It's I've always run it as a platform for everybody to come together. It's something to, you know, we all have this common love of gin it's there for the gin community it's it's you know you can do whatever you want with it from small things to huge things brands have you know the opportunity to do whatever the hell they want um which i think has never been more important than this year because brands have really struggled so it was immediately i pivot this platform that is usually events that people hold in their distilleries and things how can i still keep it um going and actually give people an opportunity to do something a bit more interesting or or something unusual that they'd never thought of because we're in bloody strange times. So then we were having virtual distillery tours and masterclasses and all sorts. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for the listener, uh, if you've not seen that video for World Gin Day, <laughs> you need to make sure you check it out. But we need to move on. So we need to, let's, let's get to know you even more, Emma. Let's talk about your, your then drink. Take us back to somewhere, a point in your life. Let, let me, let, let's, let's reminisce. Hit me up. What are we, what are we going for? We're drinking a Bramble. Interesting. Yeah, we're in Newcastle. So it's probably around 2005. So I'm a student in Newcastle. I've been there about a year. Um, and my boyfriend at the time started working in a cocktail bar. Um, so the Bramble was the first ever cocktail I really drank. Um, first thing that introduced me to what cocktails could be um, and also to how brilliant gin is and versatile as a spirit. So I'd obviously have gin and tonics before. I just had no idea that you know, they could be mixed in that way. And a bramble, to be fair, I, I love a bramble, especially at this time <laughs> of year. Um, I actually did an episode not so long ago with Will from Green Sand Ridge Distillery, which will have, have been published by now. That was his now drink. And we were talking about how a, a drink or a cocktail kind of just bookmarks points of the year. A bramble, really, at this point of the year where it's in the UK, where it's, you know, the, it, the days are getting shorter, the leaves are falling off the trees. You've got those lovely blackberries growing, even though they're an absolute pain in the arse if they grow in your garden <laughs> and they just absolutely take over. But what a wonderful, what a wonderful drink the bramble is. You've got gin, 
you've got Blackberry, you've crushed ice, you've got that the look of it, everything about it, I I absolutely love, and it's it's it, that fascinates me that that's your. So what was it, 2009, did you say? No, sorry, about 2005. 2005, sorry. So that's, like, I'd never never heard of a Bramble in 2005, so you're well ahead, (laughs) you're well ahead of me there. Um, Maybe that's just some older, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, this was the thing, this was the cocktail that then made me think, maybe I want to work in a bar. I saw my boyfriend going to work every night, having the most fun time. And that's what kind of set me on the path to, I want to work behind a bar. Um, And then when I came to London um, and I'd been doing the gym monkey thing for a while, actually I was in um, El Camion, where Nick Bradsell works, founder of the creator of the Bramble and the Espresso Martini. Um, so I asked him, I was like, oh, you're Dick Bradsell, can I have a Bramble? And he goes, tequila bar. I was like, yes, but fine, I'll make you a Bramble. And he was like, hang on a minute. Aren't you friend? Like, I know you, I've met you before. And I'm friends with his daughter, B. And he was like, oh, you're the Jing girl. I'm like, what? Like, I have been like, yeah, that's who, cool. what? Um, yeah, I was like, you're the Jing girl. So I feel like it, it's been responsible for quite a few like highlights, just deciding to get be a bartender in the first place. And then someone being like, hang on a minute, you're the person that talks about gin. Yes, I am. Do you know what? What incredible! <laughs> that's that's brilliant. What a lovely! I'll fondly think of that now every time I have a bramble because there's going to be several occasions now for the rest of this year that I'm going to have a bramble. But so let's let's Emma let's let's go to the next stage. Let's go to the first drink because someone that is um, you know booze is such a big part of. Um, in their life and you're already you've started really strong you start with the gnt and the bramble so it could it could go either way here so your first memory of a alcoholic drink where are we going what what was it because <laughs> you've started well this it could it's not, completely it's not that go bad. wrong it's here. not childly bad you know we're not we're not going down those depths of uh, you know sitting in a park with bottom shoes. let's just put it that way I love that story it made me giggle so much um, I was actually a bit of a good girl at school so I didn't really drink that much my dad you know worked in but in pubs um, he worked for John Smith's so I grew up in Tadcaster in North Yorkshire um, I was surrounded by booze all the time, but it was just never something that interested me, I guess, because I was always surrounded by it. So I never really did that whole go sit in the park and all that. So my first alcoholic drink that I really remember is probably with vivid memory. is my dad taking me when I turned 18 to the pub. Obviously, I had a couple of drinks before that. But of course, we're in Tadcaster. We went to a Sam Smith's and he put a half pint of Sam Smith's beer in my hand. And he was like, you're 18 now. Your first drink trying not to laugh because he knew I'd had a couple before that here and there. Um, and he was like, here's your half pint. I was like, dad, where's the rest of my beer? He's like, no, ladies, you know, ladies drink half pints. You've got two hands, you can have two half pints. And it's terrible. Dad, I've got two hands, <laughs> can I not have two pints? Oh, I tell you what, that, yeah, <laughs> you knew what you were doing. 
<laughs> yeah, it may not have been my first drink. I don't really remember what that would have been, but I've got very, very vivid memories of, uh, yeah, being in the pub with my dad, walking through the door, because obviously he knew everybody. Buying my daughter, first beer for her birthday. Um, so yeah, I'll go with that one. Do you know what? What a lovely, <laughs> that's really lovely. And I've, I'm, I'm, and I say that because, and I've had this conversation several times on previous episodes in that we've just had a little girl and I, and she, she's literally five months, and, but I can't wait for the moment that I, what, exactly what you've just said, if she ever looked <laughs> fondly back um, on a time where I, I gave her a half pint, whatever it is, um, and you do find you find that I, certainly a, a lot of the people that I, I've had on the podcast, and a, a lot of people have said, you know, my dad had a pub, my mum had a pub, or I grew grew up at a pub. And alcohol doesn't then seem to be such a big deal because you're kind of you're kind of surrounded by it, I guess. And I'm very conscious of that having a, having a child in that I want to make sure she understands alcohol and what it is because it's going to be around and that she respects it and that she um understands it and, and and drinks drinks well not loads and i would bloody love her to go to say to me in 20 odd years go do you know what i really <laughs> remember you taking me in and a half pint half pint we don't where are the where are the half pints no. i don't see a half pint these days that's they seem yeah. to be long gone, don't they? You get a funny look now if you order one. My mum's was always half a lager with uh, with lime cordial in it. That's what she always drank. Oh, that's uh, that's a bit, the, the glass. I remember when I worked in the pub, the half pint glass was just small pint glass. <laughs> that was literally like it was a mini pint. It was a mini pint, wasn't it? Like I don't think there's anything awesome. cuter than half a pint of Guinness. If I'm right. One of those mini. Like, <laughs> oh, that, that's that's the one. <laughs> Half a pint of Guinness, yeah. Yeah, and you get to stand over it and pretend you're a giant. <laughs> um, glassware seems to be a bit of a theme, interestingly, on this one. But um, let's let's go let's let's go on to your last because when I I think this might be the the my favourite question that I do on the podcast, the last drink, because it's not about your favourite drink. It, it, it's more putting you in a situation where you're not going to have anything else. What's that last sip, that last drink? And people go in all different directions, and I'm really interested. Let's hit me up right. here. What, what the last drink? Super Let's easy. Didn't even have to think about it. I know other Really? Yeah. Was this the easiest, easiest one? one? Beefy to martini. Dry, twist, discarded. Right. Okay. Let's let's break it down. Let's break it down. So we've got beef eater, yep. which I know nearly made it into the first into the GMT because I know you love beef eater. I absolutely love beef eater. I, I I'm I always features on my shelf. It's a must have. It's a must have. So we've got beef eater. Let's bro- let's break, let's break the rest of that drink down because you just you said it so like this did come on. So yeah, right. dry, so not too much for me. Um, so probably about a one to eight or so recipe, one to seven, something like that. Um, Lovely. 
And then with a lemon twist, but I don't want the lemon twist in my drink. I want it spritzed over for the light oils and then chucked away. And what glass are you having? Because we talked about glassware, so let's glassware this up. Uh, it's got to be... Um, it's got to be one of the Remy Savage glasses from Nude. They're absolutely gorgeous. Oh, that's a Just, brilliant shout. Yeah, so good. That is a brilliant shout. So we're spritzing lemon over with then literally chucking away. Are we chilling the glass? Are we, yeah, everything as cold as possible. I think there's two people in the world that probably want to make me the martini. It'd probably be Hannah Lamphere, who got me into the hole importance of martini it being super cold when she was working back at Boysdale and most recently until he left um super recently um Maxim Schultz at the American bar at the Savoy has just yeah. made I think I've been he's made me about three or four martinis each one of them has just been a banger oh. so, moving to a mezcaleria but I'm wondering if I take him a bottle of gin down there he'll uh, He'll make me one anyway. <laughs> I am salivating at the prospect of this drink. So you, we've, so we've got beef eater. We're about eight to one, seven to one. Um, lemon twist, not in it. Uh, vermouth. Have you got a, pre a preference? Probably something quite simple. Wiley Pratt. Yeah. One. I think in a in a martini where I'm so focused on the gin, I just want subtle accents. You don't want anything too punchy. Bit of a rinse on the old glass. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I think, you know, Beef Eater is probably my desert island. It's always my reference gin when I'm tasting. Um, sometimes, especially when you have a lot of samples to taste, it, you, your palate can get a bit confused and it's always good to have something to go back to. It was uh, Craig Harper at Fever Tree who told me that trick. He always uses uh, Tanqueray. Mm. Uh, yeah, something you're familiar with, something that you know, something that you are confident is a gin, because increasingly there are, you know, we're stretching the definition of what the spirit is, which in some ways is a bad thing, in some ways it is a bad thing. Um, but yeah, just having something you can go back to that you're confident and familiar with to then, you know, reset your, your thinking and your palate. Um, beef eater every time. Do you know what? That's so true. And I think everybody needs that kind of reset. In the, you know, I, you know, I, uh, you know, I don't have to, but I do uh, uh, a lot of gin. And I, there's, I have sort of two or three that I just have to, you just have to drink it to go, oh, okay, because you can just go down a wormhole sometimes when it comes to yeah. with gin, because I do find it such a complicated spirit in that, isn't that it, it should just be about the gin. It's not just about the gin because you can go down a citrus route or an earthy, a spice route, go off on a mental route where they've put some bizarre <laughs> botanical in. But you just need to, sometimes you just need that reset. It's a bit like a palate cleanser, like a, like a sorbet. You need like a juniper sorbet just to go, oh, hang on, let me just, I need to remember what we should be talking about and that I think beef eat I'd have to agree with you I have to have it and I was a bit concerned probably about a year ago where I struggled to get it for, due to unseen circumstances but um, yeah, it seems to be very available now which is good but I, I absolutely I've always got beef eater beef eater 24 it's on the shelf <laughs> it, you can't beat it that's the one rule in my house as well. You can drink as much as you want that's open. Uh, just don't finish the beef eater. 
Well, let's pause then on that because we've we've had an incredible first four drinks, but I really want to talk about, and again, people are listening and they won't see what I've got in my hand, but I, in my hand I have this gorgeous little book, Have Yourself a Merry Little Cocktail, Eight cheers, Cheerful Tipples of Warm Up Winter. Now, before we recorded this episode, I showed this to my wife and we went through it because she doesn't drink a lot, surprisingly. I drink a huge amount, far too much. She doesn't drink a lot. So when she drinks, she drinks really, really well. And her favourite drink is a snowball. So as soon as I said, well, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing an episode with Emma, and she's like, oh, did she do the book? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she sat through this book, and she went through each cocktail, literally page by page, and she got to page 56, which was snowball, which is her favourite drink. And she went, right, okay. So she she read it all through. And she what she said absolutely nails this book in that it's a, it's simple so you get exactly what to do you're told what glassware glassware's been a bit of a theme in this podcast <laughs> exactly what uh, what um what glassware to use um and it's really easy to kind of understand but she just comes alive at christmas the flavors <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to cocktails she loves slow gin she loves a snowball. She had her eye on the old Negroni. Uh, is it the Negroni fizz, I think, with the champagne and yeah. So she's made my shopping list pretty large after <laughs> reading this. Um, so, yeah, how did you? Because I think this is a must-have for anybody, right? Because we're we're at this time now where we need simplicity, but we need some really decent where unfortunately some people can't experience some of the lovely cocktails that they can get in bars at the moment. So, you know, talk to me, how did you come up with the book? And yeah. so, um, my first book, Periodic Table of Cocktails, um, the publisher actually came to me and it's still the same publishing house for this second one. Mm. So the way they tend to work is they, they work through examples and ideas and, and concepts and then once they get to a certain point then they'll work with an author to put together a brief and then they'll submit that to the commissioning kind of arm who will then decide which books get commissioned. Um, so for this one they had an idea it was going to be a Christmas book um, ideally but maybe with a few more winter cocktails they didn't quite know what what periods of time it would encompass so we decided mm. to keep it winter so it does kind of Halloween through to Valentine's and St Paddy's Day and then that's it so it's when it's cold outside this is the book yeah. for you um but we started coming up with some ideas I didn't want it to be all original recipes just because I think um you need some sort of things to anchor you things that are familiar to you um to be like oh I do like that drink oh this one sounds a bit interesting as well I think if they're all unique for a book like this with its target audience being people that don't really make cocktails or have a limited selection in their cupboard yeah. uh, them all to be crazy and we also uh, kind of trying as well one big thing in the brief was to make sure that there was kind of a capsule of ingredients that you need so as long as your shopping list may be I would argue that for you know there's what over about 100 well 80 about 80 cocktails in the book and then there's the non-alcoholic versions you don't need a huge 
perfect amount of ingredients to make a lot of them. So you'll see yeah. sometimes where maybe we added just a little bit of something or a little bit of this um, or that we went through, is that strictly necessary? Sometimes it was a yes, sometimes it was a no, and we could substitute it for other things that, that had been used before. I say we, because my uh, lovely other half was the, uh, the tester for all of the cocktails in the book, um, which obviously we wrote over spring and going into the heat wave, which was good fun. So um, yeah, here. that is. But, and, and, I mean, what a guy! I mean, I mean, what a. Oh, what don't a, he loved it? He's the only <laughs> man that I know that enjoyed drinking Christmas cocktails in the middle of a bloody heat wave. But yeah. Um. Oh yeah. I mean, I. I yeah, it, it, it's fantastic, and I, I, I know she's got her eye on the white Christmas blood. So that's gonna. <laughs> nice. I mean, that a, one's delicious. There's Who a few have ingredients a as well. Yeah, there's, she loves a pina colada, so I, there's a few ingredients I need to get for the the cover. But that is what struck me with with this book is that you're gonna you'd like to think a lot of people would have some of the ingredients in. There'll be a few things you might need to get, but actually. It really, like exactly what you said, it's from like Halloween right through to kind of the February, March when it's cold. And there's so much, there's so many, the kind of possibilities are endless in a way because there's so many decent cocktails. The, the ginger margarita, for example, <laughs> I mean, the snowball's in there. She wasn't too keen on the ratios in 50-50 because... <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't she's not a big drinker so i mean That's for me right. i'm like more i'm basically avocado with a splash of bloody lemonade but um, <laughs> yeah so it's it's a really fantastic book i, I encourage anybody at this time of year and after the year we've had jesus we need couldn't everyone do with a cocktail <laughs> absolutely and there's some there's i mean there is something in there for everyone but what i love what you would what you which you mentioned in you've done the kind of um, no alcohol versions on some of them, which I really, really like as well. Because Have you seen the, um, the non-alcoholic for the zombie? Oh, hang on. Talk to me while I find it. Is that the, um... right, let me find it. This is fun. For so, um, the, the publisher asked that a certain number of the cocktails be able to be made non-alcoholic. Okay. It's like, yeah, that's great. And then we, as I was going through, put one in about a line about the uh, non-alcoholic zombie. And she said, yes, I'll keep I've just it. seen it. Sorry, I've just found it. As you were, <laughs> as you were speaking, I just laughed out loud because I just found it. How <laughs> oh, I didn't mean, I didn't see this the first time round. So. <laughs> she said, yes, I could keep it. But no, it didn't count towards my total. So. Oh, that is such a shame. So I'm going to read. So the zombie, um, I mean, Christ, there's a lot of, I mean, we've got 30 mil Jamaican rum, overproof rum, golden rum, cinnamon syrup, grapefruit juice. I mean, the, the list are two dashes of absinthe, five minute grenadine. Now, I mean, there's no wonder it's called a zombie, right? But you scroll down the page, garnish sprig of mint. That's the easiest part of the drink. Um, and then... Um, <laughs> so uh do you do you want to say it or do you want me to say what you said at the end you go for it. so swap <laughs> because in the whole book it's like right you can swap you know swap out this for the kind of non-alcoholic version 
you've just put, swap out the whole recipe for a cup of strong coffee. <laughs> you know. Which, with, some, with a cocktail that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven ingredients with a sprig of mint, twelve. And most of them alcoholic. There was just no chance in... It's impossible. There's no way you'd No way that. that you'd ever be able to. So fuck it. Just drink a cup of coffee instead. <laughs> brilliant how I didn't see that first time around. <laughs> Uh, brilliant. So anyway, we need to, we digress, we need to move on because um, this is the kind of the controversial one. This is the never drink. This is the drink that you're going to wipe off the face of the planet, Emma. Come on, hit me up. Well, what are you getting rid of? First, I thought just cardamom distillates in general, because they just, Ooh. and if you use too much of them, and some distillates have been, but I was like, no, it's a bit too specific. I don't know whether you've ever been to Chicago, but they've got a spirit called Malort, which is, oh, it smells like death and tastes even worse. But in the end, I came down on the side of Blue Curacao and Blue Lagoon <sighs> because I can't drink them because I have an intolerance to artificial sugars. And there is no Blue Curacao that I know of that doesn't have a shit ton of artificial sweetness in it. So I can't drink it. So if we get rid of all of them, Someone might have to come up with something else that's blue and that stays blue. None of these, you know, colour changing gin malarkey. Something that stays blue and turns my drink blue that I can drink and then I'll be happy. And I love, do you know what? That's a very considered answer because you've, you've picked something that you can't have and you've... I you've really want! Yeah, I really, really want, want one! Yeah. And um, I've got, and I've said, I said this in... Um, Gosh, it was in Sarah Jane's episode. Her, she had blue, just blue drinks in general. When there's something about, and I know people are going to hate me for saying it, but there's something about the colour blue. When it comes to a drink, I just associate that with bleach. <laughs> and I was, ta I was taught from a very young age, do not drink bleach. <laughs> so... When I mean, my see... issue isn't the blue. I love the blue. It's just that I have to look at them from afar and I can't drink them. And that can't makes have me... it. And that, what a, what a well-considered answer because <laughs> some people go full-on hate towards something. You've gone, I really want it. I just can't, ha I can't have it, which makes me really sad. Um, so... <laughs> I will say, as a disclaimer, though, if anyone does go to Chicago, do not drink Malort. Don't. So, Malort, we're writing that Don't down. Do not have. <laughs> I'm writing that down because I could find myself <laughs> in Chicago one day and someone's going, do you want a Malort? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. It was Paul Haletko from uh, Few Spirits. And he was like, oh, I'm a go. I was staying with him because we were making a gin. Loads of fun. But he was like, yeah, right, I'll take you out for some drinks. First bar. Bartender goes, oh, she's from England, ha, 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 drink this. And he's like, oh, that's funny. I was like, oh, holy crap, what is that? <laughs> Second bar we go in, the bartender goes, oh, she's English. I was like, don't you even try. No. Um, and yeah, by the end of the night, they were finding elaborate ways to, you know, present me with shots of Malort that I wouldn't realise. And then I'd have to drink it because it was rude not to. I was like, for God's sake. That is brilliant. So let's <laughs> let's recap your round of drinks because this has to be 
one of my favourites. Now drink, which I've just had the last sip of, which is a GNT, and it's not just any GNT. We've got the Never Never guys in there. We've got plenty of ice. We're in a highball, slice of lemon, and loads of ice and decent tonic. Your then drink was a Bramble, interestingly enough, back in 2005 in Newcastle, which uh, at 2005, I had no idea what a Bramble was, so that's awesome. Your first drink at the ripe age of 18 was a half pint. Was it Was it Smith's, did you say? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in Tadcaster, which is where Sam Smith and John Smith were from. They're both brothers. Oh, okay. So, but it was yeah. Sam Smith's. But you had two half pints, I think, one on each hand, <laughs> which um, started to mean to go on there. Your last drink, uh, probably one of the finest martinis uh, ever, which is, a, of course, beef eater, uh, discarded lemon twist. It's about eight to one, seven to one, something like that. But, oh, my God, that martini I need. Your never drink um, was nearly a very specific cardamom distillate, uh then we touched on this uh what was it the the malorts malorts <laughs> malort uh but you finally settled for um only because of the artificial sugar content but, i mean the main thing is that i'm hoping that comes out of this is someone finds me blue curacao without artificial sweeteners in and then your job my job is done so blue curacao if we can have someone that can create that i'll tell you what if, if anything 2020 has been an absolute arsehole but if we can get that i think i think we'll be happy i think we'll be happy there, I certainly will. <laughs> you, you certainly will emma that, that is what an incredible interesting and well thought out round of drinks that is thank you so much um yeah, I, I've, I haven't got much more to say other than that I'm still staring at notes that I've written down for that martini that I'm going <laughs> to need to taste immediately. But thank you so much for coming on. Um, Absolute pleasure. Yeah, I've had a, it's been fantastic. What, a, what an incredible round of drinks. So I'm going to sip the last of this GNT before I go and pull the beef eater off the shelf and make myself a martini. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you very Cheers much. There we go. That's it. Series one done. Um, thank you, everybody. Uh, make sure you check out uh, Emma's book. Um, you can find that on her website on Amazon. Perfect, perfect festive, uh, festive gift stocking filler. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much um, for being part of this new project for me it's it's been a real pleasure and a real joy thank you to all the guests uh, that I've had um as I said at the beginning I will be back for series two in January so I'm going to be busy recording those over the coming months um but if you know of anybody or if you think you've got an awesome round of drinks then you could email me at first of all at gmail.com or you can send me a DM on Twitter and Instagram at first of all pod. That's it for now. Um, there'll be a little special um, in December, which will be a bit of a best of series one with my favourite quotes and drinks and chats. Um, so um, look out for that, but uh, make sure you're following first of all pod on Twitter and Instagram for the latest updates for series two. But for now, 
I'm raising a glass to all you lovely people, all you lovely listeners. Thank you so much again. Cheers. Goodbye. <laughs>